Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 4. We are kicking off a series to start this month and really to start the entire year, a series called Yearbooks. Everybody say yearbook. How many of you have a yearbook somewhere in your possession? Maybe it's in a box, in a closet, stuffed away in the attic. Have you ever been cleaning a portion of the house and you come across one of your old yearbooks and you've just taken time to flip through that thing and then you're looking at it and you're like, wow, kind of brings you back a little bit. Then maybe, you know, your children, like, Mama, Dad, what, what is that? They come up beside you and, you know, you start making comments about what you were wearing, about that hairstyle, about how in the world did your parents ever let you leave the house looking like that? Yeah, yearbooks. Um, we, in starting this series, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Healing Place is 25 years old this year, this month. Yes, a quarter of a century. And so we thought it would be fun. We're going to take the next several Sundays out of this month to kind of look at a yearbook from Healing Place and different snapshots of of where we came from, experiences that we had. And uh, so we asked some of you to participate, some of our staff and some of our leaders to participate. We've gathered some yearbook pictures from people that you may or may not know. And so we're going to play a little game of guess who. All right, so I'm going to put a few pictures on the screen and see if you can identify, if you can reach back in history, capturing that moment and fast forward to today and figure out who these people are. All right, first picture up on the screen. Tell me, who is this good-looking, young, debonair, GQ kind of guy? Anybody have a guess? How many said Earl Rents? You were right. That is Earl the Pearl. Now, unfortunately, we just cropped the headshot, but if you, that, that is a full-body picture that has a suit that would make any person proud. Got that polyester power that was happening back in the day. Put up the next one. See if you can guess who this person is. <laughs> wow, that is Earl's dad, Brother Jim Rents. He was one of, our, one of our spiritual presbyters. And, uh, man, look at the forehead. Man, that's, he's, he's rolling. I mean, it just, I knew he was smart and so educated. I had to squeeze that brain into that head. Man, look, Jim Rents right there. L- look at the next picture. See if you can tell me who this one is. If you have small kids and you've checked them into kids' district, you might identify this person as Miss Stacy Oriella. Stacy O. Come on, somebody say hairspray. She's teasing them bangs. I did not know that Stacy was a part of Charlie's Angels. Come on, somebody. Had that fair faucet hair working back in the day. Who's next? Put up this next pic. Oh. Everybody just said Marla. Oh, that is our kids' pastor, Marla Stroop. 
She still got that million-dollar smile. I love it. Put, put up the next. Who, who's this next individual? Anybody recognize who that might be? That is Pastor Ken Spivey. Ken Spivey. And again, if we, if we had a full-body shot, he kind of had the, uh, the ruffles in that vest. Remember the ruffles back in the day? Yeah, so that's kid. If, you, if you've been in the hospital or if you've had surgery, if you've suffered loss in your family, you've probably gotten a call or a visit or a prayer. You've heard from Pastor Ken Spivey. That's Brother Ken. Check out this next one. Any idea? Terry Olivier. That is T.O. That is T.O. And last service, Miss June was sitting right here, and, man, she just was glowing. She was so excited. Terry complained about his haircut. He said, I can't believe Mama parted my hair like that and sent me to school. <laughs> Terry Olivier. Check out this next one. We got a few more. Anybody? Some of you are like, I didn't know John Belushi attended HPC. <laughs> It's kind of a combo between John Belushi and Jack Black, is it not? Yeah, this is our very own Pastor Mike Davis. This is Mike Davis back in the day. Man, he was rocking it. We'll put up the next one. We've got just two or three more. Hey, what? What? Do you see that? That is our very own Alcide Simmons, ladies and gentlemen. Man, he's going top shelf. Can you say, oh, yeah? Look, still rocking that smile, big old voice and that little bitty body. I'll see. Put up the next one. You'll, you'll appreciate this next one. <laughs> you do not have a clue. I promise you. Any, any guesses on who this might be? This is our very own worship pastor, Doug Musso. Is Doug here this morning? Doug, where are you? He's at, anybody know where Doug, Doug, look, look, Doug had that beehive hair working back in the day. Hey, and he, he was so proud. He was teasing it and bringing it strong because his hair was telling him, it, his hair knew that its existence was very short. <laughs> I love Doug. Pull up the next one. Who's the next one? Who we got? And that's my girl. Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Delin Heyman. She hasn't aged a bit. Look, she, that, I fell in love with that face right there. That hair, girl, you're prettier now than you've ever been in your life, too. You want me to hurry up and move forward, aren't you? Uh, somebody say yearbook. I know you're waiting for my picture, but you ain't going to get it. I got to talk to some of our creative production team. That was not in the script. Um, yeah, Lord help a brother. Everybody say, thank God for progress. <laughs> Yearbooks do several things, do they not? Yearbooks capture moments, don't they? Yearbooks tell stories. Yearbooks help us remember where we came from. Watch this. Yearbooks will help us to remember where we came from and how we got here. And so this month, we're pulling out the, the Healing Place yearbook, and we're going to talk about some things, places that we've been, and the things that we've learned about ourselves, things that we've discovered about the goodness of God. 
And in Joshua chapter 1, I, I love this. I think this is a great way to start the year. Now, I know that a lot of times when we, we step into a new year, we talk about moving forward. And the gospel is very clear. When it comes to sin, when it comes to shame or guilt or failure, the grace of God covers that and tells us move forward. But when it comes to the faithfulness of God, the Scripture tells us time and time again, look back, reflect, see the faithfulness of God. How many of you can look back in your history and you can see where God has been good to you? How many of you, God's done, done something supernatural in your life? Maybe he healed you physically in your body, or he healed a marriage or a relationship. Maybe there was a diagnosis that you were given, and you weren't given much hope, but God intervened. And, and the Scripture tells us to reflect, capture those moments, to rehearse the goodness of God, draw strength from his faithfulness. And this story in Joshua chapter 4 is a perfect example, and I think it's a great way for us to step into a brand new year. And Joshua chapter 4. Now let me give you some context here. The Bible says that Moses had died. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Moses had died, and God raised up a young leader named Joshua. And the children of Israel are standing on the brink of the promised land. After four decades of wilderness living, they can see just in sight the promise on the other side. But there was a river that stood in front of them. Some of you are finishing an old year, and you're glad last year is done. You, you don't want to continue to go in circles. Maybe it was wilderness for you. And so you're leaning into a brand new year, and you can see the promise of God in front of you. And I think this message is going to encourage you and help you reflect on God's faithfulness, but move forward in his promise. Can I have a better amen? And so God spoke to Joshua and said, now you tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And we'll talk more about what that represents, but it represents the presence of God. Take the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant and have them walk right up into the Jordan River and put their big toe in it. Now, what's interesting is in the past with Moses, Moses had that staff, and he stretched that staff across the Red Sea, and the waters parted. But now God's telling Joshua, you tell these men of mine to put their feet in the water. Let me tell you this, church. You may have to get your feet wet before the waters part. You may have to step into something. Wait a second now. Our ancestors were dry. They didn't have to get wet. God says, listen, I'm giving you instruction. Hear my words. Obey my commands, and you'll see the supernatural right before your very eyes. Look at what it says here in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan River, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them. Take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them this, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 6, we will use these stones to build a memorial. Somebody say memorial. There's a purpose behind these stones. There's a reason why we are carrying these stones out of the river Jordan. We're going to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, 
what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Now, the first thing I want you to see, there, there, there are three specific parts of this passage that I think are important. But the first one is this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this word. Write down the word memorial. Everybody say memorial. Now, why are memorials important? Why did God say, take these 12 stones and together build a memorial? I believe God wanted them to build a memorial because God understood human nature, that you and I have the capacity frequently to forget. I mean, you know, it's easy to forget. We forget things. I mean, if you didn't have a picture of it, you wouldn't even remember it. In fact, when you look through a yearbook, it brings back memories of of things and experiences that have been long forgotten, but then there's an awakening. Oh, yeah, that's where I was. That's who I was with. That's what was happening in my life. You see, these stones were positioned. The 12 leaders of the 12 tribes representing the nation of Israel were to each carry a stone from the Jordan River. And once they camped at Gilgal, they built this memorial as a promise from where they had been to where they were going. You see, memorials are something that point us to the character, to the nature, and to the faithfulness of God. I'll give you a few examples of memorials in my life. In my car, I drive a little Honda Accord, okay? Me and Jesus, we're all in one Accord, baby. And around the rearview mirror of my Honda, I have a crown of thorns. A man in this church, Parnell Bourgeois, he, he built that, he made that, and stained it. It's, it's beautiful. And I have that crown of thorns in my car, and every time I look at that crown, it serves as a reminder. How many know when we're driving on the streets of this city? <laughs> it's good to be reminded of a few things. Yeah, sometimes when my flesh wants to rise up, it's be like, oh, pastor got flesh? Oh, yes, I do. Five o'clock traffic sometimes will test me in that. But I see that crown, and it reminds me of the sacrifice of Jesus, and it forces me to dial back a few things. It serves as a memorial. And some of you have those things in, in your house and in your possession. You know, I thought about, uh, about two years ago, uh, I started praying with several men in our church. One of them is Will Dunham, another is Derek Foster. These men, we pray every weekend. For, for the last two years, we've been praying every weekend. We lay hands on every seat, that seat that you're sitting in right now. Somebody laid hands on that seat Friday afternoon because they knew that this moment could be a moment that would change your life forever. One of the things that we did, we began to pray about the finances of this church and about your finances. And so God spoke a word to us, and, and Will took a tithe envelope. You'll notice there's a tithe envelope in the, in the back cover of the seat in front of you. Took a tithe envelope, put the date on it, and wrote the word that God spoke to us over the finances of this house. And he laminated that tithe envelope. Now, every Friday afternoon, after laying hands on these, these seats, we take that tithe. He brings it every week. Take that tithe envelope, put it on the ground, and we'll stand on that envelope, and we'll pray, God, I believe for abundance. I believe for prosperity. God, I believe you're bringing increase to families, jobs and pay raises and bonuses and promotions. God, you want to bring resource into your house. And what does that envelope do? That envelope serves as a reminder that God is with us and God is for us. 
Can I have a good amen? And I'm not preaching about relics. You know, we don't worship stones, but we worship the one that the stones remind us of. I don't worship a crown of thorns. I'm not worshiping a tithe envelope. And for us, it it, it may look very different. There are certain traditions and routines that God wants us to build in our lives. For some of you, you've kept a journal, and you've marked what God has spoken to you, or you've written down what you sense that the Lord is dealing with you about, and then you go back a year later, two years later, you say, wow, look how God answered that prayer. For some of you, there's a song that every time it's played, it brings you back to that season and experience in your life. And God begins to speak to you, and he shows you, I am good, I am faithful, I am with you, I am for you. Can I have a good amen? God told Joshua, you tell these men to take stones from that riverbed. I'll tell you what, this church is a pile of rocks. Healing Place Church has a beautiful history. We've had moments where God has taught us things. In fact, I was thinking about this. You know, one of the first experiences I can remember here in our 25-year history, and I was just a kid, I mean, just fresh out of college, we did a garage sale. The reason why we did it is because our sound system had fried. I mean, we were just a a handful of people when Pastor Dino DeLynn planted this church, got to give them a vision for this house in January of 1993 when we launched this church, just a handful of people. Our mission was to be a healing place for a hurting world. I mean, no, that's a big mission because there's a lot of pain in this world. But it was just a, a, a handful of us together. Our sound system had fried. We didn't have money to replace it, didn't have the budget for it. So we were trying to raise some resources so we could buy some microphones, buy a soundboard. And so Pastor Dino encouraged everybody in our little church, hey, bring your stuff out on Saturday, and we'll have a, a big garage sale. We'll, we'll try to raise some money, and man, God's going to help us meet the need of, of replacing this sound system. And so as you can imagine, the church, little bitty church, brought everything we had. I mean, everything from pogo sticks to toasters to the little ceramic roosters. Come on, how many remember those ceramic roosters back in the day? And everything in between. And so all excited, man, we were going to, we even had concessions there. We were going to give water and popcorn or whatever. Man, we're just excited that people would come up on this property and brand new church. I mean, we get a chance to be nice to people. But how many know that garage sales have subcultures? There's a whole, garage sale is a, is a world in and of itself. How many like to go to garage sales? Can you keep your hands up just for a moment? There'll be special prayer for you immediately after. Man, I'm telling you, people want to find a bargain. And man, when you got a wind chime that's 50 cent, and sweet old lady just trying to get you down to a quarter, this blue and, and mauve wind chime, I don't want to argue with anybody. Man, let's don't fight anybody. Pastor Dino's like, I just can't handle this anymore. We're not going to do this anymore. I got an idea. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give this stuff away. We're going to give it all away. We said, what? He's like, yes. I don't want to go to jail over a wind chime. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, that whole thing just flipped. And now we're we're giving stuff away. Wait, wait, wait. You mean I can have it? Yes. You can have that, and you can have everything on that table. We're helping to pack stuff up. They're all excited. All of us as volunteers, we were pumped. That was immediately transformed into one of the defining moments of our church. We began to get a reputation as the church who would give things away. Now, this is back in the early 90s. Now, I know you have churches doing a lot of great things, but back in that day, 
by and large, the reputation of the church was, hey, we want something from you. Now the church is saying, we want something for you. And that, I I thought about, from that day to this day, we begin to embrace the power of generosity. And we became known as a church that gives with no strings attached. What was that? That was a stone. That was a rock. Now, probably 95% of you had no idea that that story was a part of our history. But now that I tell you that, you see that stone, you know what it represents. This is a church that's about blessing people. This is a church that's about giving to people. This is not a stingy house. This is a generous house. In fact, so we, we start giving everything away. Next thing you know, a guy from the church, and he had a pest control company. He said, look, I got, a, I got a couple pallets of rat bait. Can you do anything with that? We're like, well, sure. So guess what we did with the rat bait? We went door to door and gave it away. Can you imagine receiving, I mean, a cold call back in the day, somebody, a stranger knocking on your door. You don't even know who we are. We're like, hey, we're from the church down the road. Here's some rat poison. Lord bless you. You need anything? We're just right down the road. You kidding me? Rat poison. Yeah, we cleared out some stuff, huh? We lost a few members over that. Of course, they needed to go anyway. I'm teasing. We've given out everything from rat bait to bananas. Truck. You know how many bananas are in an 18-wheeler? <sighs> we were going bananas for Jesus, man. We've given away pineapples. I remember giving away so many pineapples. I went to the racetrack on Blue Bonnet. This is back in the early 90s, and I, I was so excited. I gave out pineapples at a gas station. I didn't even wait to get to the neighborhood. I just been blessing everybody. My car smelled like petroleum and pineapple for weeks. You know, one time we had a, a shipment, a truck come in, and, and we unloaded it, and it was the last box on the back of this truck, and we, we unloaded it in the sanctuary of the church, and the box kind of fell apart. Guess what was in it? Leopard print lingerie. We were like, oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> Lord, is this, it's in your house. I'm so sorry. What are we going to do with it? How many know that was the most popular outreach we've ever Yes, Lord. I like that church. Come on, somebody. Ladies, they were excited. I think there were men even more excited. But what was that? It was a rock. It's a story that we tell that points to the faithfulness of God. Listen, HPC is a pile of rocks. Every outreach, every bottle of water that's ever been given, every piece of sheetrock, every missions team that's been sent overseas, every song, every service, everything we do, it's simply a rock that points people to the message that says, God loves you, that that, that Jesus cares about your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. God told Joshua, you tell 12 men to gather rocks. You know what? You and I are called to be living stones. What do we do? We speak of the faithfulness of God. Looking at that pile of rocks, it said something about where they had come from. You know, David, before he fought Goliath, nobody believed he could do it. I mean, his brothers ridiculed him. Even King Saul, he was like, well, if you're going to go, you might as well wear some armor. How many know that armor didn't fit? You can't fight Goliath wearing somebody else's armor. But with a rock in his pocket and with God in his heart, David charged onto the battlefield. What gave him confidence to do that? You know what? 
he rehearsed the faithfulness of God. He remembered how God had been with him. Hey, one day I was watching my father's sheep and a lion came out of nowhere and I clubbed that lion to death. Oh, and you know what? I remember that time, that bear, that bear did the same thing and and I defeated the lion, I defeated the bear. Guess what? I'll do the same thing to this Philistine giant. You see, everybody in Israel was petrified. They were scared. They thought Goliath was too big to fight. David knew that Goliath was too big to miss. When you rehearse the faithfulness of God, it gives you confidence. Come on, somebody. Even shepherds in the old, and I'm going, I can't even believe that. I'm, oh, that clock. How many give me five more minutes, please? Give me five more minutes. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Okay, three hours. We got three hours. Here we go. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> David and Goliath. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, in the Old Testament, shepherds, I mean, this just show you about a pile of rocks and the faithfulness of God and how where you come from, it matters. Uh, shepherds in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Bible like you and I have today. They didn't have parchment paper, even manuscripts. Their job was to watch sheep. So you know what they had? They had a staff. They had a stick. And history tells us that when God would do something supernatural, those Old Testament shepherds would carve on that stick what it was that had happened. And so they would look at that stick, and over time, miracle after miracle, it would remind them of the faithfulness of God. That's why in Psalm 23, the psalmist David, who was a shepherd, said, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that beautiful? There's a memorial. There's a reason why we set up stones. We don't worship stones, but we worship who the stones point us to. We worship Jesus. Some of you need to make a decision. This year, I'm going to set up some stones. I'm going to embrace some disciplines. There are going to be some routines, some traditions, some things in my life that point me to remind me of God's faithfulness. You know, studies say that at this time of year, we set so many goals and and resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Studies say that 80% of our resolutions fail by the second week of February. Do you know that? Some of you are afraid to set resolutions because you've tried it in the past and you haven't followed through with it. You know what God's saying? God's saying, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Come on, somebody say, start where you are. Say, use what you have and do what you can. How do you write a book? One chapter at a time. How do you win a championship? One game at a time. How do you lose weight? One pound at a time. Look at what it says in verse 8. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones. Watch this. This is important. They took 12 stones from where? From the middle. From the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. The first word is memorial, but the second word is middle. Notice where they gathered those stones. They pulled them from the middle of the Jordan River. Can I tell you, some of you right now are in the middle of a mess. You're right smack dab in the middle. I feel like God has a word for you. Because you've come so far, you can't turn back now. But when you're in the middle, you can't see what's on the other side. 
And so it's the scariest, most difficult part of the journey. Some of you, your marriage is so upside down. You can't afford to repeat this year what you walked through last year. You're in the middle. Some of you have children that are far away from the Lord. Things are not well with your child. Things are not well between you and your child. Some of you are fighting addiction. You've made resolutions and promises in the past, but you know down deep inside, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. You are stuck right in the middle. The middle is the most difficult and the scariest part of it. I'm telling you, you know what happens in the middle? You begin to hear voices. There are voices, there are dark voices that are talking to you in the middle. And you know what they say? You'll never make it. I'm telling you, I can remember a season in my life when I was in the middle of such mayhem. And I knew it was the devil lying to me. I knew it. I knew it wasn't God, but it still messed with me. And you know what he told me for two weeks? He said, Mike, when all this is over with, you won't have a friend left. That's what he told me. And he punished me with that. And I, it's so irrational because I knew it was the enemy, but it still robbed me of the joy and the power of the present. In the middle, you'll feel like there is no hope. You can't see light at the end of the tunnel. But, but, but here's the good news. What do you find in the middle? The presence of God. Remember we said the Ark of the Covenant? Watch this. God told Joshua, tell the priests to step their feet in the water and then walk right up to the middle of the river. Guess what else was in the middle? The presence of God. What was in the ark? And some of you know the Old Testament well. This representation, this picture of the presence of Almighty God. You know what they kept in that box? Three things. The law of Moses, Aaron's rod, and a jar of manna. You say, Mike, why is that important? The law of Moses, Aaron's rod, and a jar of manna. The law of Moses represents covenant. God made covenant with his people, and he took those stone tablets and he etched it in stone so they wouldn't forget. Aaron's rod represents authority, that rod of authority and strength. And that jar of manna, remember the food, the supernatural food from heaven that God supplied them in the wilderness? That represents provision. What does God give you right in the middle? He gives you covenant, he gives you authority, and he gives you provision. Covenant says, I am with you, I am for you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Authority says, I will give you strength, just keep moving forward. And provision says, anything that you have need of, I'll supply along the way. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Clap your hands if you believe that. The middle is right where God's presence is. Now listen, where did they draw the stones from? Not on the bank, not on the edge, but they took stones right from the middle. You know what that tells me? Even in the middle of your mess, the presence of God will meet you. And what's under your feet will become the raw material for the memorial that you will build. And you will tell your kids, look what God delivered me from. Look what God brought me through. I'm telling you, son, daughter, you can trust the goodness of God. When I didn't know a way forward, God met me right in the middle. Can I have a good amen? The stones came from the middle. Some of you, the most painful, difficult moments of your life, as hard as it was, God's faithfulness met you there. And now you look back at it and you say, Lord, those were some of the most beautiful, miraculous times of my life. Took stones right from the middle. They walk through water, going through water. You know what that represents? Baptism. 
Think about it, Jordan River, baptism. And it's so interesting, when I was reading this again, and I apologize for taking time, but I brought back to my experience in Jerusalem and in Israel when I went back in November. I stood, I was baptized in the Jordan River, right at this place where Joshua and the Israelites crossed. It was a powerful experience. Many scholars believe it was the same place that Jesus was baptized by John in that exact same place. Interesting, Jesus, his name is Yeshua, Joshua. Both of them mean Savior. Joshua was leading the Israelites out of a wilderness experience, drawing them into the promised land. Jesus, out of his water baptism, began his earthly ministry and led us out of the bondage of our sin, ultimately into the promise of new life. Isn't that awesome? Water represents baptism. Baptism says, I have died to the past, and I have been raised to a new beginning. Let me say it this way. You can't step into a new reality with an old mentality. Can't step into a new reality holding on to an old mentality. You got to die to some things so you can be raised to some new things. You receive that today? Let me finish this. Let me finish. I'm going to ask the band to come up. There's a specific way that I want to close. In verse 21, the Bible says this. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future... In the future, it's amazing how the past is always tied to the future. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? What do they mean? Then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. And he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when it had dried up until we had all crossed over. Listen, if he did it then, he'll do it again. What, what, what God had done for their parents, now he's doing for them. You'll tell your kids this, and he did all of this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. He's saying, why, why the stones? Why the memorial? Memorial, middle, the last word you need to know is meaning. What does this mean? Your kids will say, what does this mean? What's the purpose of all of it? You know, past victories will shape future values. Let me say that again. Past victories will shape future values. What you've walked through yesterday will be built as a memorial unto God that will shape your today and set the course for your tomorrow. What does it mean? Well, an unbeliever would look at, look at that configuration and say, well, it's just a pile of rocks. But to those of us who are saved, we say it's the faithfulness of God. Oh, that's just a stone. No, it's not. It tells me God is with me. It tells me God is for me. That crown of thorns around, man, you're just religious. Oh, really? I'm not religious. I'm desperate. I need God. I need, I need a reminder of his sacrifice. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.